Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Hello, and welcome to Five to Thrive. Professor Marty is not able to join us today, but he'll be back with us shortly. So I'm flying solo, and today we're going to talk about why we shouldn't shield children from stress. So resiliency is the ability to bounce back after tough situations happen. My favorite analogy to explain resiliency is the Bobo doll. That's that big rubberized plastic blow up toy that's weighted at the bottom. And when you knock it down, it springs back up. Life is filled with situations where adults need to be resilient and to be able to bounce back from challenging situations. In addition, having negative feelings is also a part of life. I'm guessing that about 40% of the feelings that we experience in life on a regular basis aren't always positive. We will feel sad sometimes. We will feel angry. We will feel lonely. We're going to feel overwhelmed sometimes. These feelings are all a part of having a full, rich life. Now, unfortunately, many young people think that life should always be great because that's what's depicted for them. That's what they see in the media. That's what they see in social media. So they think that if they ever feel lonely or sad or overwhelmed, that life shouldn't be that way. And after some life experience, we just know that it is, right? So we have to learn how to manage it. We're going to have difficult experiences. We're going to have hard feelings. So we need to know how to handle them. And this is the skill of resilience. So it turns out that resiliency is similar to a muscle. The more we use it, the stronger it gets. The more times you fall down and get back up, the better you get. I sometimes think of an ice skater, like a figure skater. How many times when they're practicing their jumps, they must fall down. And each time they get back up and go again, they become better. And that's the same as resiliency. That young child learning how to walk, that toddler falls down, gets back up, falls down, gets back up. Pretty soon he or she can walk. Pretty soon he or she can skip and run and jump. But you fall down in the process and then you get back up and try again. That's resiliency. That's what our children need to experience. And if we shield them, they don't get those experiences. Kids need kid-sized mistakes. So when children face stressful situations and they're able to overcome them, to, they're able to get back up, they grow more able to handle stressful situations in the future. They gain a sense of self-efficacy. That's that sense that they're capable of handling challenges. They get almost like a confidence in, in themselves. So how do children become resilient? What can we do as adults to facilitate this process? The goal is to provide challenging situations for children that they can master. And then once they've done that, we raise the bar just a little bit more so that they have to stretch and they may not reach it. They may fall down. They may not succeed, but then they get up and they try again. And after repeated attempts, they're able to accomplish the task. Here's an example I recently heard of. A father used to take his kids hiking. And after they had had several long but enjoyable hikes, he intentionally would get them a little bit lost and they would wander and the kids would get really frustrated and really annoyed. And the kids would have to help him navigate out of the situation. And he recalled that at one point, his preteen daughter told him that she absolutely despised him and she absolutely hated hiking. She is now an adult who's an avid hiker and she has a beautiful relationship with her father. When you have children do chores around the house, they begin with chores they can do by themselves. Then you start having the chores become more difficult and more challenging. The first time a child mows the entire lawn or edges the lawn or rakes longer than he or she thinks they're able to, when they help shovel the heavy snow or clean the pool, they'll become tired. It's difficult. They may become annoyed, but that is all right. Again, annoyance is a part of life. 
And we need to learn how to deal with being annoyed with people, even people that we love. It's okay when our kids are annoyed with us, when our students are annoyed with us. That is all right. As a high school teacher, I used to tell my students when they would complain about an assignment or something, I'd say, it's absolutely fine. As a student, it's your job to complain. As a teacher, it's my job to ignore you. Now, here we go. So really, it's just, that's a part of it, right? We've been annoyed with people. It doesn't mean we weren't learning and growing from the experience. So in the world of education, we call this concept where you're just stretching a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. We call that scaffolding. You raise the bar so it's just a little bit more challenging, but then you offer the resources they need in order to reach the goal. If they never reach the goal, they're going to become discouraged. You can't raise the bar so far that it's un unreachable. unreachable. It's just stretching them a little bit more each time, stretching them. And it's okay if they fall down, get back up, try again. That's all right. But they do need to find some success or they will become frustrated. So we don't need to shield the children from all stress. Now, know that I'm not a proponent of children knowing all the challenges of their adults and parents in their life. You know, the kids are not there to solve parents' problems. We have to be very careful and delineate those lines of what's appropriate and what's not. However, it's absolutely fine to tell a child that things are challenging. Maybe that the family is going to be on a tighter budget and here's what they can do to contribute. It's okay to tell a child that a parent or a grandparent or an aunt or uncle has a life challenging issue and then work with them to process the feelings just like you do. My mother just passed away a few weeks ago and her four year old great granddaughter was having a really tough time during the funeral. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. We're going to miss grandma, but we also know that she's in heaven. She's no longer suffering. So we help the children work through their feelings, just like we work through them as adults and teaching them how to do this is such an important skill. When their favorite pet is getting older, we can start helping them understand what's going to be coming up and that we're so very grateful that we had this beautiful time with this pet for all these years that they were a part of our family. When a child earns a bad grade on a test, it's okay. What can you learn from this situation? What will you do differently next time? This makes us more resilient. I'm a firm advocate that a, a mistake doesn't become an error until we refuse to correct it. That's where resiliency comes from. That's where wisdom comes from, from making mistakes, from learning. So when you don't get the new job that you had interviewed for and you model how to process this disappointment, it's going to help your son handle it when he gets cut from the varsity basketball team. He's going to see how you handled it. There have been many fascinating studies done on mice in the area of res resiliency. Can I just pause a moment to thank mice? <laughs> Little mice have sacrificed so much in the lab so that you and I can better understand how God has made us. So thanks for mice, God. So my favorite study on resiliency sep uh, separated baby mice from their mothers. A uh, mother mouse is called a dam. So the baby mice were then put through mazes and situations where they were stressed. They were made to be afraid and uncertain. And then they were put back in the cage with the adult mouse. When the adult female was caring for the, the baby mouse, when she washed it and the baby mouse was comforted, and when that happened, when it was nurtured, the baby's mind wired to be more resilient because of the problem solving. It just went through. When the adult female mouse was neglectful, when they didn't go over, when they didn't wash and comfort the baby mouse, then that little baby mouse's mind was traumatized. Actually, the way it wired led for future trauma. It wasn't the stress that impacted the brain of the baby mouse to, that was traumatized. It was whether there was an adult to comfort them and help them navigate and regain composure. So we can handle stressful situations if we have someone there to be with us, to walk with us, to guide us, to encourage us, to nurture us. We get in trouble when we have to face stressful situations on our own. 
So here's what's really interesting too. It didn't have to be the biological mother that was comforting the, the baby mouse. Any adult female mouse that was nurturing the baby worked. So what do we learn from this? Kids' brains can handle stress when they have a caring adult to walk with them and help them recover from the process. But if they don't have that caring adult, then their brains are negatively impacted by the trauma. This is fascinating to me. Another fascinating study found that children growing up in poverty are often more resilient than those growing up in affluent families. For example, a child growing up in poverty has many chances to learn how to fall down and get back up. Disappointments may be a part of their daily life. Not so for most affluent kids. And they tested affluency by uh, children that had more than one house to go to. So families that had two different houses in two different locations. Those kids had much higher levels of stress and anxiety in their teenage years because as they started needing to handle stressful situations on their own, they weren't equipped. They had experienced very little real disappointment or challenge in their daily life and they didn't know how to handle it and they were traumatized. So we don't need to remove stress from children's lives. We don't need to remove the obstacles, go ahead of the child, mow down obstacles. Kids need obstacles. Kids need stress. Kids need kid-sized mistakes. We just need to be there for them as they learn how to navigate it. And we need to model for them in our own lives how to do that appropriately. So when we look at the research and see what the characteristics are that resilient children have, uh, because, you know, you can have several kids in the same family go through the same circumstance and some will be okay and some will be traumatized. So what's the difference? When they study this, they learn that children who are resilient have a few characteristics. And I'm just going to go through the list real quick. They know how to gain positive attention. They know how to do things that get them attention for positive things. Every kid wants attention. Do kids know how to get positive attention or are they doing negative things to get attention? So that's number one. Number two, a sense of optimism. They look at the bright side. They're looking for the positive. Number three, they have a sense of independence. I can try this. I can do this. I don't need somebody else to fix everything for me. Uh, number four, they have a proactive perspective. What can I do? What am I capable of? They feel that they're in control of their environment. They have an internal locus of control. They're not going to complain or be a victim because of what other people do. They're going to say, what can I do? What, what's within my power here? What's within my control? They have a sense of humor. <laughs> I like to think that if at first you don't succeed, parachuting's probably not for you. These kids that are uh, resilient are empathetic. Uh, they know how to try on other people's, like to feel for other people when people are going through hard things. They have a sense of empathy, um, understanding of compassion. And they have problem-solving skills and coping strategies. So they know how to solve problems. They know how to they know how to manage challenging, difficult situations. So you can see how this would lead to resilient kids. And as always, how do kids learn these traits? We model them for them. When the adults around them model these traits, that's what they pick up on. Our goal at Five to Thrive is to equip parents and educators to help young people thrive. And here are five things that you can consider this week to support the young people around you. Number one. Help young people understand that it's normal in life to have difficult circumstances and painful feelings. This is a part of being human. It's absolutely normal. There is nothing wrong if they feel sad or if they feel lonely or if they feel frustrated or overwhelmed. It's part of being human. Number two, resiliency is the ability to bounce back when difficult things happen. And it's like a muscle. The more we use it, the stronger it gets. The more often we fall down and get back up, the better we get at getting back up. And number three, we need to provide challenging situations that they can master and then raise the bar a little bit higher. Expect a little bit more. Number four, help young people figure out how to gain positive attention, be optimistic, have a sense of humor, develop a sense of independence, be proactive with solving problems, and we do this by modeling it for them. 
And number five, be the caring, nurturing adult that walks with them as they learn. You don't need to remove the obstacles, remove the challenges, guard them from the stress. They can handle that. You just need to be there for them as they learn how to navigate. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.